Welcome to Discovering Nutrition with Chronometer. I am your host and community marketing manager, Elisa, and today we are so happy to welcome on two special guests, Mike Walker and Margaret Brum. As always, this podcast is for general purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including getting medical advice. The use of information from this podcast is at the user's own risk and is not to be substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So one of the first questions that we have about heart health, because we know that heart disease affects so many people and it's the number one global killer if if my Mm -hmm. research is correct so this is definitely something that i think everyone should be aware of and one of the first questions that i got when i asked the staff what they were interested in is what are the top three things that people can do regularly to maintain their heart health or make their hearts healthier Yeah, so Mike and I talked about it. And, uh, you know, like, there's really no magic bullet, right? So it's really about consistency, right? So you got to move your body, you have to eat well, and we could talk about that later. And I think number one is not smoking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. And if you look at the research, there's a lot of research that relates physical fitness to longevity. Mm -hmm. And what we talk about a lot of times is encouraging people to exercise. You know, the general recommendation is people get 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity per week. But the actual health outcomes are more specific to physical fitness. And when I'm talking physical fitness, I'm talking a person's VO2 max or volume of oxygen. So it's not just about moving. It's about being fit. It it goes back to the Darwinian theory of the survival of the fittest. And I I think that I was talking to my son about this last night. We have this society where we're coddling everyone. Kids are so coddled these days that we need to be tough and strong and, and try to get as strong and as fit as possible. So trying to improve your physical fitness, your VO2 max, is I think key. Uh, I was just reading an article and they're saying that the two biggest factors in projecting longevity is your age and your physical fitness level. So uh, I think that we have to get as fit as possible. Would be my number one recommend recommendation. That's so interesting. I'm a runner, but I'm, I'm in British Columbia and we get so much snow here. And I find it really interesting that my resting heart rate goes down so much when I start running, you know, my my normal run volume in the spring is like five or six days a week. And then in the winter, it's like maybe two or three. And my resting heart rate, because I wear, you know, an Apple watch goes down from like 56 beats a minute to like, 49 to 50 and it's just it's so crazy to me that I can just see that my heart is getting stronger through running so what would you say would be the ideal amount of exercise for someone to get every day well I I tend to use the analogy that uh, Dr. Heather Ross uses and I say test your limits 
So it's all relative. I mean, you could have someone that's bedridden. If they're able to sit up, they're doing better. If they're able to stand, they're doing better. So I think you have to start sort of take every person where they're at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone can walk 10 meters, then maybe try to improve by doing 15 meters the next day. So there's, there's a, a guy, Nicholas Kritchik is his name. He's a, a young man who has Down syndrome, and he's the first person in the world to complete an Ironman triathlon. So I use him as kind of a motivation. His philosophy was improve by 1% each day. And he started off doing like, you know, five push-ups, walking 100 meters. And each day he improved to the point where he actually completed an Ironman. So I think he is a great role model that we could all follow, try to improve by 1% every day. I love, I love that. I'm going to have to research his story (laughs) on the flip side of that. So I know that you guys mentioned smoking is definitely a a factor with heart health. What are three things that people should avoid to, to have their healthiest hearts? I, from my perspective, I kind of look at things as to what to add. And then when you think about what you should add, those things that shouldn't be there are not there. That's how I approach it. So that's usually my approach. So from a nutrition point of view, like I always talk to them, what you should be having based on where our evidence is. And if they focus on what should be there, all the things that shouldn't be there will fall by the wayside. That's how I approach things. That's more positive. (laughs) How about you, Mike? Well, they they tend to say sitting is like the new smoking. So physical inactivity is almost as bad as smoking. Mm -hmm. And what really scares me these days is all these kids that are vaping and tending to think that it's not as bad as smoking, where I I think they're all bad. They've really hooked the people on the the fun papers, (laughs) I think. Yeah, exactly. I'll be walking by a group of teenagers. I'm like, what is the smell? It's cotton candy in their veins. Why are there skunks everywhere? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wild. So from a nutrition standpoint, then there's a lot of talk about sodium lately. And this one's an interesting one for me because I remember, you know, maybe like 10 years ago, sodium was was bad. And then I just did a really interesting podcast about hydration with Rob Wolf. And he's talking about, you know, increasing sodium intake. Is mm-hmm. sodium good, bad? Well, you know, it's again, it's all relative. But you know, you we do know that when people have higher amounts of sodium, there is an increased risk for stroke. So you know, it depends who you're talking about, right? So we work with a sicker population, of course. Uh, So we do sodium restrict for our patients. But generally speaking, I think uh, if you look at the amount of sodium people take in, it's way above 3000 milligrams a day. So I don't I don't think it's a fair statement to say to people to add sodium when we know people are having more than they should. 
from my perspective anyway. So if you're looking at disease prevention, and I think more importantly than just looking at sodium is where do we get the, the greatest amount of sodium? It's all these processed foods, ultra processed foods. So it's not like you're getting sodium from healthy foods anyway, right? So, so that's really, I would say, like, look at the source of where you're getting that sodium because you're not getting probably great nutrition out of those types of foods or highly processed, probably not healthy fats in those foods as well. So it's a, it's a compounded food item, right? That you're getting high sodium, high saturated fat, low dietary fiber. So I would look at sodium from that perspective. Can I ask a question? Well, I have you on the line. I'm, I'm having this super garden harvest uh, soup that I thought was healthy, and it has 540 milligrams of sodium. Yeah. So, well, like typically for our population, Mike, we limit it to 2,000 milligrams per day, the people we typically see. And then generally speaking, like if you look at the global burden of disease study, that was a very, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but that was like over 20 years of data of people all over the world. And one of the greatest, uh, the number one factor that affected health and, and, and death, act, mortality, morbidity was sodium, a high sodium really? diet. Yeah, I think we need to follow the science. And uh, that's what we learn all the time here is we follow the data. And if you look at the global burden of disease data, uh, was published in 20, it's, uh, it ended in 2017, published, I think, 2019. And the number one factor is a high sodium diet. That's wild. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to go back because now I, well, I can send you the article. I think it's a really good read, Elise, yeah. uh, because you got to follow the data, you know, and maybe for a general population, maybe have specific, maybe more sodium, but, you know, we're talking about general populations mm -hmm. uh, and most people get too much. I'm going to go back and look at all of my data now and see. Okay. I will send data. you that study. Though. That's okay? amazing. I, I would love that. That'd be so great. Sure. So I think that, you know, nutrition is, is an emerging science. There's so much more information now than there was even five years ago. And it's one of those things that's always changing. And I think that exercise now, like you were talking about VO2 max, my, my Apple watch probably puts out not a very accurate number because I know that usually to, to test VO2 max, you're hooked up to quite a bit of equipment, but we have so much information at our fingertips now for, for our health. Do you guys think that the rates of heart disease are changing with all of these tools or are they kind of plateaued or getting well, worse? I think, I think the data still shows it's a number one killer. So, hey, Mike, it's still a number one. Yeah, we're actually doing a study with Apple right now uh, comparing how the watch predicts their VO2 to actual doing in my lab here. Uh, really? Yeah. What so are you finding? Have you, have you gotten, have you been able to draw any conclusions yet? Uh, well, Margaret's involved as well. I think we have about 150 patients. So we're looking to get 200 mm -hmm. to uh, sort of complete the initial phase of the study. So that so is that still so being cool. Hmm. I think that will be so interesting. I can't wait to follow up on that because when I look at my numbers, I'm like, is this accurate? Like, 
how, how accurate can it be if it's, if it's on my wrist, but I know the wearable technology has changed so much since, you know, Fitbit started forever ago. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's so neat. I wish I was closer because I would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll fly to Toronto. <laughs> I've always wanted to check my VO2 max. That's awesome. So cholesterol, you know, we just talked about sodium. Cholesterol is, a, is another one that people are oftentimes worried about. Do you care about the types of cholesterol particles you see in patients? Can someone have high cholesterol and still be healthy? Should people who have high cholesterol eat less cholesterol? Let's talk about cholesterol. So Mike was going to, I I rather Dr. Ross talk about those kind of things, but I know that ApoB is something that's tested. I think that's an important one. From a dietary point of view, I think you're like you're. I think you're referring to like an elevated LDL, maybe, mm-hmm. right? We know diet affects that, and so when we get to the diet component, I think it's just what we know is just it's not just one component that affects your LDL. There are various factors that affect it, so we can talk about that now or later for sure. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to dive in. Yeah, so the way I approach diet, like one of your questions was, you know, looking at nutrients. So the, in terms of our guidelines, we've really moved away from just singling out nutrients and looking at focusing on a dietary pattern. And a dietary pattern could look like many things, right? It could be a Mediterranean way of eating. It could be a DASH way of eating, a MIND, which is the combination of Mediterranean and DASH diet. I love like a Blue Zones diet, right? Because these are actual people that are living well into older age, right? So it's not just longevity, it's living with vitality, right? So when you look at dietary patterns, there's no matter what you choose, whether it's Nordic diet, a traditional Asian diet, whatever it is, a plant-based diet, what we know is that there are so many more commonalities amongst these different healthy eating patterns than there are differences. So I focus on, okay, let's focus on having these nutrients in your diet. What do we know? People should have more of a plant-based diet. It doesn't mean you have to be vegan or vegetarian, but more plant-based foods, right? So, you know, trying to get legumes in as a source of protein, right? So we talk about that. We talk about choosing whole grains. We talk about choosing healthy fats, like nuts, seeds, et cetera, healthy oils. And really, I think at the top of that, to get to that point, you really have to stop or really minimize the amount of processed prepared foods. And, you know, you go, I don't know how it is in Vancouver, but here in Toronto, like every corner, there's like a fast food Mm -hmm. convenience place on basically every corner now, right? So it's very easy, right? To on your way home, grab some food, et cetera, right? So I think people need to start with cooking. That's one thing, you know, uh, that's one major approach. Uh, and if you start cooking, then you start adding these things, the legumes, the fruits, the vegetables, people don't have enough fruits and vegetables. And again, and you look at the global burden of disease study, people were low in fiber, low in fruits, low in vegetables. And, and, and I know cost is a big issue. That's something that you should talk about because just overall, but now with inflation, but you know, I always tell patients like, don't uh, shy away from frozen vegetables, frozen fruits. They have nutri- all the nutrition that fresh do. It's convenient. They're washed. They're chopped. Generally, you know, there's no salt in them. You can flavor them the way you want. But I th- think we need to like focus on 
starting to cook and cooking from scratch. That's a big one. I love that because that's just an easy action item. It but is. Anyone that's listening, don't go out for dinner tonight. <laughs> make, make dinner for home or maybe tomorrow no. so you can stop at the grocery store first. Yeah. What age do you guys think from, from both sides, from an exercise standpoint, from a dietary standpoint, do you think that yeah. someone should start talking to their doctor about their heart health? Because I know I went to my doctor and had a conversation five years ago and that, that physician was like, you're young, it's fine. And then I went to another doctor that ended up doing a bunch of blood work and they're like, you're actually really low on good cholesterol. So you should make some dietary changes. And I was just surprised because, you know, just the different methods that these two physicians had could have ended up having different results for me. So mm-hmm. what, what age should someone come in and, and I don't even know what the first step is. Like, do you, would you like plug somebody into a machine or are you just making general guidelines based on their family history and their age and their physical fitness? For me, I think it starts at home, right? Like Mike said, like he talks to his son. They're very active. I know my kids are active as well. We try to, I try to teach them teaching, like cooking skills. Like my son, when he went away to university, here are some basics, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you need to start that conversation early and you got to lead by example in the house, right? And you, you make uh, exercise you, or fitness, you make eating well, just part of the day-to-day living, ex- the living experience. I love that too. My uh, I was going to say, it should start when they're two years old. I, lo- I, lo- I love both your answers. <laughs> that, that's I didn't realize, I, I was just reading up on the lipoprotein A, and apparently they say after, at two years old, your levels are sort of established at that age. And it only has to be tested once. So uh, don't quote me. I'm not an expert. I was just reading an article. It kind of surprised me that you're tested once and then you'll know if you have elevated levels like the rest of your life. So I think it would be worthwhile people to know that information. Interesting. I guess that you guys would probably see people on the other end people you know they say that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure and you guys are obviously seeing people who are already have underlying health issues but just going back and trying to take the steps beforehand you know like a lot of people ask me why I'm tracking my nutrition they're like well you're young and and healthy and I'm like it's so I can hopefully stay that way you know what I mean if I'm missing something or now I'm going to check my sodium levels as soon as we get off this call yeah if I can put those things in check sooner then I think that it might benefit and I think that other people can hopefully benefit from from those things as well so again anyone listening if you're young start doing it when you were two years old Yeah, because I was looking at a, a one on a, uh, a a review article on the dietary guidance for cardiovascular health, and they're actually asking people to start early, right? And I can send you that as well, Elise. Yeah. So there's documentation to start as early as possible for cardiovascular health, and there's some really good documented studies on that. So I can send you that as well. I think it's a really good summary of where the nutrition guidelines are and starting early. 
Has anything in the last decade changed about nutrition guidelines in regards to heart health? Uh, yeah, I don't think there really has. I know when you look l- listen to the media, you think that it's changing all the time. I think the biggest change from when I started working is we used to be more nutrient specific, where now it's looking at a healthy pattern of eating. So I think that's the biggest change. But in terms of the science, I wouldn't say it's changed a lot. I just think we have better studies to confirm things, but uh, I don't think it's changed a lot. Like we're always focusing on, you know, getting more fiber, uh, having fruits, vegetables, those are things, legumes, like those are the things we've been asking people to do for a very long time. Right. Are there, are there recommendations both from a dietary and an exercise perspective that are different between men and women? Or is this just really across the board for everybody? The only ones I can really think of that are different for men and women are, for example, the amount of fiber or the amount of to limit sugar, because a lot of people have a lot of hidden sugar. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of a, those, those two aspects, I would say a little bit, we have different numbers, but we're still asking people to limit all these hidden sugars or what we call free sugars, right? Because, you know, you think of yogurts, people think of it as a healthy food, but if you're getting these sugar-laced yogurts, I mean, they're laced with sugar, a lot of them, or a lot of beverages, right? Like some of the plant-based beverages could be, have added sugar, right? And, And I think like people still rely on a lot of sweets and things like that, like more than you would think, you know? Uh, and those are laced with sugar as well. So, uh, I think, from a sugar point of view, I think people get a lot more than they realize. And how about from an exercise perspective, Mike? Uh, well, I know the American College of Sports Medicine basically recommends any male but age 40 and over that may have a one or two risk factors should be checked by their physician before starting an exercise program. And I think they say for women, it's women 50 or older mm, okay. just because typically women have coronary artery disease a bit later. Mm-hmm. But that anyone that has any sort of risk factors should uh, be seen by their physician, ultimately uh, do an exercise test, I think. Not every physician will, rec- will order that, but I think that they should just to give people a starting point to get started. When you think about it, you know, if you're inactive and you're 40, you have two risk factors. So, mm-hmm. and a lot of times people just need a kick in the butt to get moving. I agree. I have two more questions for you guys. The great debate <laughs> what matters more for heart health, diet, or exercise? I really think they go hand in hand. I really do. When you look at all the evidence, I, and Mike may disagree with me, but I don't think you can outrun like, uh, like, you, you know, the old saying, like, you you know, you, I, you know, I think both, like you can eat well, but not exercise. I don't think that's, you're getting like getting the best benefit for your body. Right. So I, I think they both, you need to do both for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, you have marathon runners that drop dead and they find they have high, super high cholesterol or something or some kind of genetic thing. So, you know, fitness in itself is not the be all and end all you have to eat healthy as well yeah and i think if you're someone who's fit i think you want to get like 
get the best bang for your buck. I think a lot of people that are fit, the people I know, they're really asking me questions and they're asking, they're trying to optimize their diet, what we refer to as diet quality, right? So I think most people that are really serious about it are trying to combine both. I agree with you. The best that they can, really. Mm -hmm. You know, we do the best we can every day, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I agree that they go, they go hand in hand and they both just help you thrive. Yeah. You know, I think that when I've ran, but didn't really pay attention to a di- my diet, I definitely felt less good when I was running, mm-hmm. you know, like the, those, those definitely directly correlated. My last question for both of you guys is always, I like to just give someone like everyone that's listening an action item. We discussed making dinner and we discussed, you know, going back and hopefully raising the next generation to be fitter and, and healthier. But Right now, what is one action item from both your perspectives that people can do that will change their heart health? Okay. So first of all, I use a very simple model. Okay. So uh, I asked them at lunch and dinner, 50% of their plate is vegetables. 25% is their grain, whether it's like a brown rice, a pasta, whatever it is, like a 25% is a grain. And then 25% is their protein and meat, fish, chicken, beans, lentils, tofu, whatever it is. And if they keep that easy concept in their mind, that visual tool, everything falls into place. And then with that, you get about three fruits a day, drink water over juices. You know, I think that's a really easy, actionable type of tool that everybody can implement. So whether you're at someone's house or you're going even out to dinner, you know, whatever, you sort of think of that concept. And everything falls into place. You don't have to wet, weigh food, measure food, et cetera. It's very visual. I love that. Now, Lisa, I thought you might be asking this question. So I went straight to the source of a 99-year-old patient. Kind of asked him the same thing. Oh, my and gosh. This is amazing. His number one answer was simply enjoy yourself. Oh, and he kind of left that as long as you are alive, as long as you can enjoy yourself. It's like, so like happiness, Mike, is that what, what he was talking about? Like being happy? Yeah, just enjoy yourself in your life experience. Mm. I sometimes have to remind myself of that when mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at work and stressed and stuff, but just trying to enjoy yourself. Life goes by pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around, it'll pass you by. Yeah, so it, true. it absolutely will. Hopefully, through the work that you guys are doing, people get to enjoy longer, more fulfilling lives. You guys are doing amazing, amazing work. I think that physicians are just angel, <laughs> angels on earth, for sure. I yeah. uh, dissected a deer's heart in grade five and passed out (laughs) (laughs) right on the floor so there was never any hope for me to do anything related to 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 medicine but uh I'm glad that you guys can, can do that thank you both so much for your time I think this is wonderful and I'm really grateful that you would both make some make some time to educate our our users we had uh this week we hit seven million users oh wow year. i love i love your app i think it's a great app I, so uh I love i'm glad it's around 
it's it, it's been great. I will send you those two articles, Elise, because you know, as like with everything, we need to follow the data. Absolutely. So let me send you that. Uh, it's really well referenced. Mm -hmm. uh, so I will send you those two reviews. And then I would love, where would I be able to find this study that you're doing with the VO2 max? Like, obviously it's not off the ground yet, but how will I know when it is? Cause I'm curious about. Oh, well, I guess maybe when we were ready to publish, we can send it to you. That would sure. be amazing. Yeah. I think that would just be great to share as well with, with everybody. Yeah. Just to, just to be clear, though, Elise, it's with we're looking at the heart failure community. Right. So it's not the general right. community, yeah. just, but it's still good to know. Uh, but we can certainly share that with you. I, I talked one of the podcast interviews that I did was with um, his name's Brandon Marcello, Dr. Marcello, and he uh, does third party testing for wearables. And he does mm -hmm. like all of the different wearables. And he does it with the like he works with the U.S. Army and, and trains. And I'm just. It's so amazing the amount of like data that is just on our wrists, you know, like mm -hmm, it's, we, mm -hmm. it's crazy. I remember wearing like 10 years ago, wearing a, like a pedometer <laughs> to, <laughs> to try to track my steps. And now I have something that tells me that I didn't get enough sleep or you know, <laughs> that my, my heart rate is lower than normal or my HRV and those kinds of things. So. <laughs> anyway, thank you both so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome, Elise. I'm so grateful. And I'll let you know when I, when I uh, publish this, it's going to go obviously on all of our podcast channels and then I'll write a blog and I'll send it to okay, you. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Thanks so Thanks much. Have a Bye. great day. Bye. You too. Bye.